Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Arsecast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arsecast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog. What to say? What I, to I say? Mean, there's no appropriate catchphrase for this occasion, I don't think. What what kind of drink have you got? It's a, it's a, some sort of I think it's an organic cider. Oh, I like it. You're trying to save the world while the world is collapsing around us. It's a seven cider, 6.3%. We should point out, we normally record in the morning, but mm. it's not really acceptable to drink at that hour, so <laughs> there's, been, there's been a rescheduling. We are recording the evening, Sunday evening, after the after the thing that happened. Um, but yeah. The, the bad thing. The bad thing that happened. But yeah, TJ may- and the bad thing. <laughs> Maybe we're emboldened to record at this time. Maybe it's better for us to record at this time. There's my... Um, there's my uh, my Arsenal WhatsApp group going crazy. People going, I'm sure. Rightly. Quite yeah, rightly. I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. I'm, mm. I, my phone's run out of battery, and let me tell you, I'm not considering that a bad thing. I'm, I'm not recharging it in a hurry. No, I wouldn't if I was you. I wouldn't. Uh, hang on, I just have to type a little message here to Andrew Allen. Uh, uh, I've yes. done it. Uh, I've done it. Uh, do something else if you He's feel done it. like it. He solved all Arsenal's problems. Yeah, I wish. I wish. My goodness. Um, so yeah. So look, what um, the magic of the cup <sighs> strikes again? Could, could we talk about like something else? Would, I don't know would that what work? to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I mean, is anything else? What's in the news more generally? Well, only like crazy people in the United States, like Donald Trump. Maybe what's better, Donald Trump or Arsenal at the moment? It's got to be a close-run thing, to be honest. Mm. And that's, that speaks volumes. Well, no, I don't think it is. However bad Arsenal gets, it won't be as fucking batshit crazy and insightful to violence as Donald Trump. So let's... Uh, although I did see I did see somebody tweeting about how, how it kicked off a bit outside the ground. Arsenal fans were fighting with each other, and somebody said that the you know the the Arsenal fan TV guys were were having testy times with one another. That's mm. what it's come to. You know the, what's happening is driving people to violence towards their we're tearing own kind. Ourselves apart, guys. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> it's it's all out of control. Um, and who who would ever have thought that those Arsenal fan TV guys might 
take things a bit too seriously. I would never have anticipated such a thing. Well, you know, I'm I'm comforted by the fact that Robbie could just kick the fuck out of anybody who started anything like too serious. Robbie just be in there. Look, no, sorry, out. That's it. I imagine that. Snap. I can imagine that. Robbie, yeah, I imagine he's got a mean streak when he needs to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, we're skirting around the issue brilliantly. We haven't even talked about the game yet. We're mainly talking about Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV and imagining I've got, I've, a fight. I've got wine. Can we talk about wine? Oh, yeah. So I've got the cider, you've got the wine. Mm. I don't know uh, what kind of wine it is. It was in a bottle. And now it's in a glass. That's as much the as best I know. Wine. Yeah. I'm not an expert, but the best wine comes in bottles, I've heard. Yes, not boxes. Box- boxes is a low point, I think. Boxed wine is not great. But I remember when I lived in Spain, we uh, in this uh, town called Villanova, just outside Barcelona, and they had this uh, a bodega. That's exactly what it was, in the centre of town. It was a wonderful place, and they had gigantic casks of wine inside mm. the shop so you could go in you could get a glass of wine you could get some uh, anchovies whatever something delicious you could you could have a beer but they had these five or six gigantic casks of wine and you know in Spain you've been there you, you don't drink the tap water so you, you buy uh, quite often you might buy like a, a gallon jug of water in the supermarket which costs you like a pound or 150 or something but mm. people would go in there and they would get their gigantic jugs of what used to be water filled up with the wine and the wine it was like one one twenty or one forty a liter for the wine. And he would just they'd just hold it under the cask and he'd open it up and they'd fill up their thing and they'd walk off down the road with all their wine and it was good wine and it didn't come in a bottle. It came wow. in a gigantic thing. Water into wine. Mm. A miracle. Well no, it was actually wine into wine. Uh less exciting. Yes. We're gonna to have to talk about it, aren't we? Uh, I suppose so. All I'm not. Right. I'm not happy about it, but you know, duty calls. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, you know, we could be doing other things with our Sunday evening. It's Sunday evening. People, are, you know, people are uh, are expecting a podcast in the morning, and we we love that, and we love providing people with a podcast on uh, a Monday morning or Monday afternoon, whenever it might be. But this is Sunday evening. Sunday evening, it's time to spend with your family. Sitting in front of the fire, watching crap TV, drinking wine out of a, perhaps a bottle, maybe a box, it doesn't really matter. But let's be honest, wouldn't you just be being sad about the football anyway? Mightn't you as well be sad about the football with me? Absolutely. A problem shared is a problem halved, and boy, do we have some problems. Yeah, but not a problem solved, crucially. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we're not fucking that good. We're, not, we're no geniuses here. Arguably, I imagine our problems, if you cut them in half, like worms, they both come to life and grow independently of each other. Yeah, that must be shit, like being a worm must be crap. Yeah, Mm. I I, I think I know a bit how they feel Mm. today. I feel positively wormy. Worm-esque. Wormish. So we're out the cup after years and years and years. Yeah, we are, and it's, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame because it was a competition that was going to provide us perhaps with with some silverware. You know, you look at uh, Everton beating Chelsea yesterday. You're thinking, oh, here it goes again. It's it's lined up for us. We, you know, we have to admit that, you know, we've beaten some teams in this competition down the years. People say, oh, you only had to beat Wigan and Hull to to get to the semi final and the final. But yeah, but we also had to beat like Tottenham and uh, who did we beat? Everton and Liverpool in the previous rounds. We went to Old Trafford last season and won in the exactly, final. and there was, but there was to a certain extent, you know, uh, things lined up for us a bit. Playing basically the worst team 
in the history of football, Aston Villa in last year's Managed final. Managed by the worst manager, let's not forget, Tim yeah, Sherwood. Yeah, absolutely. It was a perfect storm of, of awesomeness for us. Um, uh, but this season it felt a little bit like it was, it was gearing up that way again. I know, I know. The great sticking plaster that is the FA Cup was due to cover a multitude of sins once again. But alas, um, our luck has run out. Mm. We've run dry. Uh, and I was surprised, you know, I think maybe I've grown complacent. I've become accustomed to us winning this, this here cup. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, I thought a home tie against Watford, that looks very tidy. That looks very winnable indeed. And with, with all these other teams falling by the wayside, Chelsea, as you said the previous evening, mm. uh, I felt very optimistic. Uh, more fool me. What was I possibly thinking? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, <laughs> people hear microphone sounds here. It's just me slumping in my chair. I'm sort of, normally I sit up to be alert, you know, and, and to, to get on top of the conversation. But I am sitting here now. I'm sort of slumped in my chair and I'm just moving the microphone around with me as, as I do it. Uh, yeah, I, I thought we were going to win today, I have to say. I looked at the team that he picked and I thought, OK, he's going for it. You know, I think he picked a team where he said, oh, let's do it in like the first 60 minutes. And, you know, I can take uh, take the big guys off and rest them a bit for for Barcelona. But, you know, it didn't uh, didn't work out like that. Didn't happen that way, did it? And I, I mean, I, I actually don't know what to say. I know that's not very helpful, given that we're about to spend an hour talking about this. Mm. I don't know what to say anymore. This is mental. Our season has collapsed more spectacularly than I could ever have imagined. <laughs> I suppose in one way you've got to admire the fact that we can keep doing it in new and inventive ways. Is that something to be... I suppose. I mean, we are, we're nothing if not consistent in terms of the way we can unravel. Mm. Um, you know, we all spoke at the start of the season about the importance of stability, but what we forgot we were keeping stable was a, a team with the capacity to implode at any point. Yeah, yeah, we should have uh, got rid of that shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, a change would have been as good as a rest, wouldn't it? Mm. Full, more, again, more full us. But I am... Um, I mean, I, I just... I'm a bit lost for words, really. I mean, that. what did you make of... Okay, let's try and be analytical about it. What did you make of the performance against Watford? I thought we started brightly. No, we we, we looked okay to start with. We there was some effort and endeavour and some energy and some action, and I liked what El Neni was doing. Ooh, he ran a lot. He, he ran a lot. Did a lot. you know? And what he did was he provided that outball f- for the centre halves, which we haven't had for a while. You know, he was there and he'd he'd take the ball, he'd pass, and he'd he'd actually run and move into space and pick up another pass. I liked that, and you know there was some attacking endeavour. Joel Campbell looked quite good. Um, yeah, I, I thought we had started pretty well. Uh, Chambers had some space down the right quite regularly, and his crosses were okay. You know, could have done better at times. But you know, we'd we'd at least sort of. I won't say imposed ourselves on the game, but it looked like this was a game that we were sort of in control of. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think El Nenny, as good as he was, I think the the one flaw in his game was his shooting. Right, if, if he's yeah. been a if his target practice had been a little better, you know, then I think uh, maybe we would have tested the goalkeeper more seriously in the mm. in the first half. But uh, yeah, I thought there were some encouraging signs. But you know, we should we should have been down to ten men, should we not? Yes, 
Yes, no question. That was the right car for Gabrielle. It was uh, that was a crazy tackle to make. And Real had he been sent, yeah, had he been sent off for that, I don't think we could complain one bit. And all we could talk about was how stupid he was to make that tackle in the first place, and and to to go steaming in in that area of the pitch. You know, you obviously want to win the ball high up the pitch and try and keep the pressure on, but there's no need to go in the way he went in there. Just. Crazy. I know it was it was a, a ludicrous challenge, and I couldn't believe that he got away with it as cleanly as he did. Um, and I, I suppose you know he was at fault. He was probably at fault for the first goal, wasn't he? I mean, that was the sort of uh, rough justice in some ways of staying on was that he was then uh, turned pretty easily by Gallo. Yeah, it's not the first time that's happened to him either, is it, this season, the way that he's been turned in, in the penalty area? No. Uh, I mean, I, I praised him a few weeks ago and said I was really excited about him and thought he deserved to run on the side. And since then, he's actually been pretty bad. So, um, shows what I know. I think there's been a... Uh, but I think there has been a bit of a downturn as well. I think there have been a few mistakes of late. And that sort of recklessness is a, a a troubling quality isn't it mm, because there was one wasn't there just after the the, mm. the the red card one where he went fucking steaming through a guy and like at the same on the one hand you go okay this is great you know you want a guy to be committed and you want those kind of tackles it's good but you know he, he got away with it there he was a bit lucky that I think it was his trailing leg that got the ball um, in, in that second challenge it was yeah but I do wonder you know just sitting here uh, this evening thinking about how this player played and how that player played I wonder is it really fair to to not fair that's not the right word i wonder can we realistically judge players individually when collectively it's not working and so obviously not working like you know if you see if a yeah. team is playing well and one guy isn't playing as well as he should you go well he's really struggling for form but look across the team like pretty much all of them are struggling for form or struggling to play their best football in any in any sense, so uh, it's you know I think that's a, a a real fair point. I mean, since that Danny Welbeck winner against Leicester, I think we've won one out of seven. Um, Jesus, yeah, I think we've won one, drawn two, lost four. Is it five home games now without a win? Uh, three defeats on the spin. That's three for sure. defeats on the spin. Well, obviously we've we beat Leicester, so we drew with Hull. We lost to Barcelona. We Did we draw lo- with Southampton as well? After no, Leicester? Was, uh, that was before. Yeah, so we we drew with Maybe Hull. Four, we lost to Barcelona. We lost to Swansea. We uh, drew or lost today to to Watford. But there was an interesting mm. stat, wasn't there? From uh, Orbino. I'm just going to get it up here. Um, which is basically quite quite shocking in terms of uh, how we're playing football at this moment in time. Uh, where the fuck is this? Come on. Come on. Come on. Give us Come the horrible on. stats. This we're ready to brace ourselves. It's like a plaster. Rip it off. Okay. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Where the fuck is it? Um, Arsenal have led at halftime in none of their last 10 matches in all competitions at Emirates Stadium. Wow. Yeah. That's approaching Manchester United levels, isn't it? Mm. Do you remember there was that time where there were no sort of first-half goals at Old Trafford yeah. and we were all chuckling to ourselves about it? Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, Arsenal have won just four of their last 14 games. Oof. That's not pretty, is it? No. And when does this stem back to? It stems back to, I guess... Uh, around 
well, I guess, you know, that that win over Sunderland in the FA Cup third round. Yeah. That was, we had three wins on the spin then after the Southampton game where we beat Bournemouth, Newcastle yeah. and Sunderland. I mean, actually, if you go back, right, if you go back to that, the defeat against, um, oh, there's my microphone making funny sounds, sorry. Um, yes. If you go back to the West Brom game that we lost on the 21st of November, mm-hmm. we we were actually on a reasonable run after that. So we beat Zagreb, we drew at Norwich, which was disappointing, but we beat Sunderland, we beat Olympiakos, we beat Aston Villa, we beat Manchester City. Then we lost to Southampton and people point to that game as one that really had a a negative effect on the team. And I don't agree with that. I think it was a shit game, a shit performance, but I think it was perhaps easier to compartmentalize that one because we won the next three games. So we beat Bournemouth, we beat Newcastle, and we beat Sunderland. The one that did it for me is the Liverpool 3-3. The Joe Allen goal, I think, is perhaps, I'm not going to say a turning point, but but something that's had a profound effect on, on the rest of the season. Because since then, we drew that game, followed by a draw against Stoke, a loss to Chelsea, a win against Burnley, draw with Southampton, two wins against uh, Bournemouth and Leicester and since then it's draw loss 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 draw win that whole game and a loss today um, and I, I don't know that you can just say okay Joe Allen's goal sapped the confidence from us and, and everything else but I do wonder if we'd beaten Liverpool at Anfield if perhaps just that bit of confidence and rhythm and, and those kind of things a little bit of momentum uh, you know we would have had four wins on the trot then going into the Stoke game maybe that would have been enough to get a uh, to get a better result at Stoke because on the day they weren't very good and that was a game that you know we, we could have won so yeah I don't know maybe we're just looking for a shit that isn't there how do we do it? I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting you talk about you can't talk about individual players because the team as a whole is is malfunctioning so bad, so badly, pardon me. And I almost feel like it's not just the team. I almost feel like the I feel like the club's in not a particularly healthy state in a in a broader sense uh, and that that's almost pervading everything at, at present. In what and in what way? What do you mean? I think I mean just that like there's a a mood of dissatisfaction from the fans that that I think is about more than performances almost it's almost about the it's about the ownership of the club it's to do with the manager and I just think there are so many things bound up that bring it down to the minutiae of oh Joel Campbell played well today or didn't seems almost irrelevant doesn't it it feels like you need to look at the bigger picture Mm, I think that's a fair point I think that's a fair point yeah you know there's um, there is there is a mood and you know what it is I think Maybe two two seasons ago or last season or three seasons ago, a loss like this would have been met with a lot more anger. Mm. And I'm not saying that there wasn't anger. Clearly there was. But I think there's more... What's the word I'm looking for here? More acceptance that... Resignation. Resignation that, okay, this is this is what happens. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, this is what will happen uh, as long as Arsene Wenger is, is the man in charge. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think uh, you know that's uh, we've talked about this many times. But I think that that resignation is compounded by a, a sense of powerlessness, a sense of futility, a sense that that isn't likely to change in the immediate immediate future. Although, if results continue to go this way, can that possibly be the case? I I, I don't know. I mean, if results if results continue this badly, then. <sighs> 
ultimately any manager's position will become untenable. Mm. You know, you can't keep losing games. You can't keep drawing games, throwing away points. You know, we go back to what we spoke about the last week. Uh, you know, the 1st of January, despite that loss to Southampton at uh, uh, 4-0 when we lost at their place, the 1st of January, we were top of the table. We were leading yeah. Leicester by two, by two points. You know, and look at where we are now and look at how things have gone since then. And and what's what's worrying, of course, is the inability of the manager to do anything about it. It seems he can't impose any kind of cohesive playing style on these uh, on these players. I know there's this intangibles out there, aren't there? Like confidence and belief and rhythm and momentum and all those kind of things that play a part in how a team plays. But, you know, we had this team meeting thing that came out last week, Theo Walcott, you know, telling the press, oh, we had a big meeting and we all decided, you know, we'd play better. And mm-hmm. we beat Hull 4-0. Wasn't it great? You know, it's like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Don't yeah. talk about it after a 4-0 will, or 4-0 win against a Hull team that's, you know, A, not that fucking bothered uh, whether they win in the FA Cup or not because they're trying to get into the uh, the Premier League again and, you know, B, not that good anyway. Yeah, right? from a lower division. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, talk about it in five games or ten games' time or talk about it at the end of the season. At the when end of the achieved, season, I would yeah, say. Yeah, when you've achieved something and you say, hey, you know what happened after the Swansea game? We all got together, we had a meeting, we uh, said some home truths, uh, some things were said, some people didn't know, whatever it was, but look at what it did. Look at the result that it had. But this this idea that this meeting... Like, I don't have a problem with the meeting itself. I have a problem with this sort of self-congratulatory idea that, oh, look at what we did. Aren't we fucking great? And it's like, no, just shut the fuck up and and play some football and get some results and then tell us about how uh, what you did or what you didn't do. Well, it looks because it looks fucking stupid now because the, the whole result, A, looks like an anomaly in this run and B, is a result Arsenal should be getting yeah. against a team from the league below, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as a consequence, I mean that that whole thing feels embarrassing. Really, I think embarrassing, particularly for Theo Walcott, but for the players on a broader scale. Um, though I imagine they're none too pleased that he's come out and said that. Well, yeah, you you know, there's a there's a a secret meeting. It should be fucking secret, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just oh. Well, it, it smacks of a. Of trying to take credit for that when really what you ought to be taking credit for is results. But the problem is we don't produce those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at what. Yeah, it was. It was really like, look what we did. Look what yeah. we did to get. But no this. one gives a shit. What, what what we'd really like to see is look what we did. Here's a trophy. Here's I, some yeah, silverware. Exactly. I don't give a fuck if the players want to wear dresses and fucking smear each other with fucking cream and lick it off each other. If that's what gets them wins in the next. By all means, go for. It. I don't care. Just don't tell us. It doesn't mm. matter to us how you get the results. It's that you get the results. Why aren't we getting any results? Because I think... Oh, I don't... I wish I knew. I think, it, basically, the manager can't get what he wants out of this group of players. It's alchemy, right? And, and he can't get the right formula. No, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's, he's tried many things... And he's got good players there. Like, how do you feel about where's the, where do you stand on this whole thing of well, we didn't go and buy outfield players in either window? Like, is is that really what it comes back to? Because I 
I understand that point of view, but I think there are good players in this squad. I think there's a good, a good group of players to work with there. Yes, I agree with you. I think we know that those players are capable of better. We've seen these players perform better last season, in the second half of last season, when we played very, very well. Uh, with a, with a, and we've added a better goalkeeper to this group of players. You know, I think we've, yeah. we've seen that they are capable of better. Absolutely. But what I also think is that when it comes right down to it, is that the inaction in the transfer market I don't know if it has an effect on them in a way, but you talk about going out and making a statement of intent, right? I think it's symbolic, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's part of the problem. You know, and it keeps players on their toes and it shows that the club is ambitious. It shows that the manager has this real desire to go and win things. And you know what? You know, it's so easy, isn't it, to say, oh, well, look, they spent that much money on that player and he was shit, and he spent that much money on that player and he was shit, and look at what Leicester are doing. You know, you don't have to have all the money in the world. You don't have to spend money every, you know, to, to, to achieve things. No, you don't. You don't. But if you can, if you can, if you've got the resources to really improve your team and you don't, and then you play the way we've played this season, then you've got, no, you've got nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Absolutely you, not. So I agree with you completely that the, these players are definitely capable of better and they're they're better players than they're showing at, at this moment in time. But I also think that if we'd invested more in the squad last summer, that we would probably, given the way that this season has gone, been walking away with the fucking title. Of course. I mean, as a rule in football, as a general rule of thumb, more investment equals more success. There mm. are anomalies. Of course, there are, you know, there's that year where Spurs spent 80 million uh, and it didn't work out well, but they had lost their best player and arguably the best player in this league at that time. Mm. Um, so I think there are always mitigating factors. Um, same with Liverpool and Suarez. But generally, you spend money, look at Manchester City, they were, they were nowhere, they spent a load of money, they're, suddenly they're challenging. Spending money, if you look at the league table in the year, the wage bills roughly equate to how the table sits. Mm. Um, and that's not coincidence. However, I still think that the squad of players we have is capable of winning the league this year, winning the FA Cup this year. Maybe not every year, but this year of all years, mm. when so many teams are out of contention for those competitions, we are, and I feel like we've said this again and again, the club without excuses. Yes, for sure. And what does it come down to then? Because people say, you know, even today after the game on Twitter, people, you know, uh, people were saying, well, you know, it's the players. They've got to they've got to perform better. They have to perform. But they're, you know, it's the players, the players, the players, the players, the players, the players. And I get that. Those players should play better and they should uh, finish more of the chances that we create and they should defend better. And they should uh, they should know uh, better what each other is going to do on the pitch. I absolutely take that point, that the players have to take a certain measure of responsibility when we don't play well and when we don't win games. But when it comes right down to it, whose job is it to get those players to play in that way? That mm. if they can't do it, and not just one week, and not just every now and again, but consistently... Not just one season. But the, like this season, think about... you. We did, we did this last week, didn't we? Think, think about the games we played well where we, we, we as a, a team, actually played well. And it was like, was we, what, three? 
or four games. It's a handful. It's a handful, handful of games. And I was listening to um, uh, the Ars America podcast um, this week with, uh, and he had uh, Chris had um, uh, Tim from Ars to Mouse, and he had Elliot from Yankee Gunner on. So it was like the cheery occasion that you would expect it to be, <laughs> right? But uh, Tim made the point. He's going, I just haven't really enjoyed watching Arsenal this season. There hasn't been much to like about what we've done as a as a football club, as a team, the way that we played, the way we performed. You know, there hasn't been, uh, you know, the, the scintillating football that's always been associated or has generally been associated with Arsene Wenger. And there hasn't been, even if we haven't been playing well, for the most part, there hasn't been the the backbone or the just the the, the, the sheer will not to lose that these players should have if they really, if they really, really want to win the title. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that our our league position at times has been misleading simply because of the the lack of quality alternatives in the division. Mm. Um, I think we've been allowed to be like, well, we're in touching distance to the top, we're top, but I think in any other season we would have been massively exposed. Yeah, uh, you know, ultimately we're eight points off Leicester. We're only four more points, 12 points, ahead of Chelsea, who were flirting with relegation and we were all chuckling about you know? Hang on, we're, what, Chelsea, are, Chelsea are only four more four points behind us? Sorry, sorry, Chelsea are 12 behind, but oh, what right, I'm saying okay, is the okay. gap isn't, isn't massive comparatively sure. to where sure. we are to Leicester. Yeah. And that's because of this awful, awful, awful run. And, and what I think is really depressing is the word, as a fan, is that you... You can't foresee a way for this to change. Mm. You can't really buy into the idea that anything's going to be dramatically different next month or indeed next season. You know what I watched last night? I watched mm. uh, I Believe in Miracles. Okay. Which is the Brian Clough film. Which I haven't seen it, I confess. It's a fantastic film. I have to say, I preferred the book written by Daniel Taylor of The Guardian. I enjoyed the book a lot more because it gives you a bit more, but the film is fantastic. Really, really entertaining. You look at the way Clough came into this... Um is it a documentary, sorry? It's sort of a documentary, but it's it's sort of, they've got interviews with the guys like Peter Shilton and Kenny Burns and uh, Gary Bertles and all those players who were who were in that team. Uh, right. The 1979, they went on to win the, the, they were, they came, they were promoted, they won the first division, and then all of a sudden they're in the European Cup. And the first season that they're in the European Cup, who do they draw in the first round? Liverpool who were the holders of the European Cup and probably the best team in Europe at that time. Uh, you know, that they, they were just an incredible uh, outfit. And, uh, of course, they went on to win the European Cup. And they went on to win it the next year. Amazing, just incredible stuff. What Clough did there was absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. it's hard not to look at that achievement and how Nottingham Forest ended up in some way similar to what's happening now at Arsenal. And, I, you know, Forrest ended up in a terrible position and they got relegated. But it was clear for a while that Clough wasn't the guy that he used to be. That what he had achieved was incredible and special and amazing and wonderful and everybody enjoyed it. But as time went on, football passed him by. That he was unable to replicate that. And I think it, it, it's it's a little bit different when we talk about Arsene Wenger because what he's done is what he's done is uh 
the, the fall or the decline hasn't been as steep, right? Because he's kept no, us in could the top it be four. Given, exactly. But I mean, I suppose it could have been. But I, I guess you know the the sheer wealth of resource that we've talked about before uh, has helped helped keep that afloat. You know. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, I don't mean to discredit him at all. You're right. He is. He, his great strength is that he's never dipped below a certain level. Yeah, exactly. The consistency that he's shown, when you look back on it, is remarkable. Hmm. Talk about any manager, you know. Uh, look at Mourinho this season. Mm. Completely fell from grace. That that has never befallen Wenger at Arsenal. No, exactly. To exactly. that extent. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he has been, but what it is is... I think uh, as well as, I think it's the inability to push on. Do you know what I mean? Because we, how many times do we sit here and we talk about, oh, if only we had what, like this player or that player or this player, you know, that we're, we're close, we're really close. And you sign players like Alexis Sanchez and you sign Mesut Ozil and you're thinking, well, right, this is the fucking right track. This is exactly the right track that we should be on. And you know what we should have done, really? What we should have done Last summer, mm. 2013, we signed Mesut Ozil. 2014, we signed Alexis Sanchez. 2015, we should have signed another player of that caliber. I don't know whether well, it would be a forward or a midfielder or a defender. It doesn't matter. We have the resources to go and do that. That's Arsene what would do. say we signed a, a goalkeeper of that caliber. That's Absolutely. what he would say. Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But, but I think we obviously had the funds available to do much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, I don't know, because you feel sometimes like it's its clearly not for the want of, of uh, he wants to win and he wants to achieve things and he wants to be champion. Uh, but you look at the way that he, he builds his squad and you go, but do you really, do you really, 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 you know, do you want it at the expense of other things? Like, do you want it? Do you do you <laughs> do you want to win the league, or do you only want to win the league your way? Mm. Yeah, you but know? do do, do Arsene Wenger? You're you're uh, an amazing football manager, and you've do, you've done you did something unique, and something that will probably remain unique going through that season unbeaten, and that will be his legacy. I think it's more and more clear that that is his footballing legacy, and an incredible one that it is too. But you're 65 years of age. You've been at this club for X amount of years. You've been through some years where money wasn't as readily available as it, as it might have been, or certainly for other clubs. Mm-hmm. And now you come through this period of austerity, whether it's self-imposed or not, that's not the point. The point is that, you know, 2014 came, the new sponsorship deal came, the new kit deal came, right Okay, you've got a finite amount of years left as a manager simply because of your age. That's the reality of life. So wh- why don't you why don't you fucking try and win it all? Why don't you try and win the Champions League? Build a squad that can really compete in the Champions League. And that comes from investment in players. And I don't understand, you know, in a way it feels like he hamstrings himself if that makes sense. How typical of someone associated with Arsenal to hamstring themselves. But I, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, he has changed a bit. You know, he has uh, loosened the purse strings. He has brought in people like Ozil, people like Alexis. But I don't think he's been able to change quickly enough, 
given the limited amount of time he's got left as a manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe it was crazy to expect him to. Mm. But I, I am left, you know, when we won the Cup in 2014, I, I tweeted this earlier, but when we won the Cup that year and there was all that talk, at that point he still hadn't signed a new contract, there was absolutely part of me thinking, this is a great time to get out. Uh, this is a great time to go. You know, you've you've won a piece of silverware. Things have righted themselves slightly. The club's on a good footing, mm. um, and I kind of hoped for his sake that that would be the case. Uh, he hasn't, and I now fear that his ultimate departure will be significantly less joyous than than that one might have been. Mm. It feels like it's going to be tremendously acrimonious, which I think is a. I would really hate for it to get as nasty as we as it could get. You know, if things continue the way that they continue, and you know, I would be. I think it would be a real shame. I think it would be a real shame. What does it take? Um, what does it take now uh, for him to not be in charge next season? Do you still think there's? We, you know, because I think both of us are of a mind. I've written so many pieces and, and given so many opinions saying that I just don't think that's an option. I just can't imagine a circumstance. The, I, I Maybe the only way I could foresee it is if Arsenal were to drop out of the top four. Maybe. Maybe. And even then, I think that would be... The only way it would happen is if, is if he decided. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think what absolutely. I, I think what we should do. I, th- I know we've got questions and stuff for yeah, this, yeah, do yeah. we? Yeah. So why don't we take a break? Um, I'm going to go get some more wine, dry our tears, dry our tears a little bit, and uh, we'll come back in part two with questions, and we'll address this kind of stuff in in that part of the show. Yeah. All right. See you shortly. All right. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, welcome back to part two of the Arscast Extra episode 110. Is there some numerical significance we can take from that? 
probably if we were if we were more enthused and our brains were working more efficiently yeah we would be delighted with that are we sponsored by any razors today no 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 razors but thank you to probably everybody. a good thing given yeah. my current mood <laughs> <laughs> thank you to everybody who did sign up for the razor thing that was great um that was, yeah, yeah great stuff yeah so cool so, but no razors no razors this week um, Probably wise, as I say. Mm. Um, questions. Yeah, this should be fun, shouldn't it? This is the this is the part of the show where, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a, there's been some correspondence. There has been. I was I was saying to you just before we started recording again uh, when I put up a, a a call for questions. I just sat there and there was like this moment. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the film, the talented Mister Ripley? I do. Jude Law, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, and um, the other guy, the dead guy, he was great, Philip Seymour Hoffman, anyway. Of course, yeah. There's a scene, isn't there, in, the, in a boat where Jude mm. Law, now I'm not, I'm not saying that somebody shouldn't do this to Jude Law, but I'm just, you know, Jude Law sitting in a boat and Matt Damon, he kind of twigs that Matt Damon is up to no good and hijinks or whatever it is. And Matt Damon cracks him in the head with an oar. And yeah, there's just this moment where there's nothing. And then the blood just starts to go, just spills out of the top of his head. It's quite awesome. That was what, yes, my, I twi- remember it well. <laughs> that was what my Twitter was like. When I, put a, <laughs> when I put a call for questions, it was like there was this, just this pause, and then like, yeah. So, so we're on the questions. Vomiting forth. Yes. But we're anyway, on the questions. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. All right. Okay. All let's right. have it then. All right. This first question is quite a big one. It's from Ian Stone, the comedian Ian Stone. Mm. Um, and he asks... Would replacing Arsene Wenger whilst retaining the current board structure actually make any difference? That um, I think that is what makes the whole thing so complicated and weird. Because is Arsene Wenger saving us from our board? Will it just be even worse without Arsene there? That is the the sixty four thousand dollar question. It might yeah. well be. It could well be. You know. How many times have we spoken about the lack of football knowledge on the board? We've one guy, really, Ivan mm. Gazidis, um, who's got a background in the game. Uh, I know he's got some some helpers and what have you, but just in terms of the decision making, did you see the the Cronky interview that he gave? The yes, weekend? I think I've I've got it. I've got it here. Yeah. Um, Want to read I mean, out a couple of choice quotes or some choice quotations? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's actually gone all blurry and won't let me read it. That's strange. Ah. Uh, Arsenal Arsenal majority shareholder Stan Kroenke has lifted the lid on his approach to ownership, but risked invoking the wrath of fans by claiming, "If you want to get in, if you want to win championships, you would never get involved." Basically, he, he was talking about the petrodollar clubs, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> I, I thought this was amazing. He said. Uh, um, over there in the UK, it was sort of like, hey, we've got guys from the Middle East. The oil price is over $100. They can spend anything they want. But the problem I saw with all of that, these people can lose interest. I liked the these people thing. Or no, yeah. I actually said those people. But, you know, we know what he meant. He said, it doesn't mean that they will, but I threw that out there. What happens when the Middle Eastern family, this thing's costing a lot of money and they decide to go home? <laughs> 
I mean, what? Why is he yeah. fucking talking about he's a, it? He's a little Englander. <laughs> uh, I bet he's voting yeah. for Donald Trump. I mean, it was extraordinary. And obviously, hey, he's part of the problem. He's part of the problem, certainly. He is. Uh, and a significant part. He is in the sense that um, there's no desire on behalf of, of him as the man who has to make that decision. He's the guy ultimately, isn't he? He's the guy that's going to make that decision. It doesn't matter. I mean, I mean this, this is probably my least favourite part of the quote, where he said, what did I learn specifically about sport from England? Well, you learn very quickly what that brand means. Mm. We have a gentleman who comes to Arsenal <laughs> games. He flies his helicopter from South Africa, Cape Town to London quite often. It's just an example of what a brand can mean and what we can do in sports. I'm sure we all identify with that. That's what Arsenal means to us, getting a helicopter from Cape Town. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, yeah. The fact that it's probably like a four-day trip in a, in a helicopter from Cape Town to, to London. We did a piece on uh, Ars Blog News about this, that there's no helicopter that can fly that far. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop to refuel along the way. But oh, yeah, it's God. just, you know, the, the, perhaps there's a reason why he was silent. And I think... He is part of the problem in the sense that, okay, he's not inclined to make a change of manager because he he loves Arsene Wenger, because Arsene Wenger runs the club in a way that uh, makes it make sure it remains uh, financially beneficial for him as an investment, which is what mm. it is, right? Um, but at the same time, if Arsene Wenger wasn't there, if it came to that, who the fuck can who can go against what he decides to do? Because I don't think he would do anything to Arsene Wenger. Like he wouldn't try and usurp him. He wouldn't try and make decisions uh, over his head or anything like that. But because uh, if another guy came in, I think he would be he'd be much more inclined to do that. Well, I, I mean, know. this is this. Yeah, I mean, this is the. Oh, I had a really good point, but I just got so sad that I just forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, is there any point in changing the manor, uh, manager on a, on a very basic level? Yes, of course there is. But I don't, yeah, think you can, I don't think you can make that decision without being really, really fucking frightened about what's going to happen. Well, if you're unhappy about a club where, this is what I was going to say, where Arsene Wenger feels like has, you know, complete authority and makes all the decisions and you get rid of him, you, to an extent, have to be comfortable with the idea of having a club where, say, even Gazidis makes all those decisions, um, or certainly a good deal of them. Mm. And I'm not sure how comfortable we as fans are with that. I don't speak for anybody else. I, I think that the, the ideal scenario in the light of Arsene Wenger's departure would be that somebody who would, would come in at executive level, a kind of director of football figure who had that kind of experience and that mm. kind of expertise. Um, do I have faith in that sort of appointment to be made? Given the recent appointments and additions to the board, not really, no. Yeah. yeah. Probably be Stan's mate or his brother or his nephew or something else, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, yeah, I... I... It's hard to look beyond. I think it's frightening. I think it is. Maybe this part of the reason it's frightening is because, in a way, we're like um, we're like Red from the Shawshank Redemption. You know, not Red, the other guy. You know, the guy that got out. Of course, and he went to work There's as a, a bit supermarket. Of Stockholm syndrome going yeah, on, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, we're institutionalized to a certain extent. But he got out after many years in jail, and he got a job packing bags in the supermarket. And then after a while, he was like, "Fuck this! I'm going to hang myself." Um, 
and I think there's an element of that. Not that we're all going to hang ourselves. Uh, I just mean from just the inability to to cope with or consider a reality that's different from the one that we've known for so so many years. Yeah, yeah. But I think that. They're equally, I think there's another group of fans who would say, yes, it is scary, uh, a club without the stewardship of Arsene Wenger, but that's a risk they're prepared to take because of the sense of ennui and the sense of frustration, um, the, the almost boredom at the way we fail mm. uh, and, and a willingness to at least see a new story with, new, with a new protagonist. Um, I think there is a big, an increasing number of fans who who feel that way and would be prepared to take that gamble. Yeah. Yeah, but how 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 what happens if that gamble doesn't work then? Do you know what I mean? I'm well, not saying that it shouldn't happen. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. How tolerant so, how tolerant are the people that want like like absolutely vociferously and I'm going to say it here, I think it's time for a, a change a manager. Mm-hmm. I think it has to happen because the familiarity of it all. Look, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna change. Hmm. But at the same time, the people that want him out most vociferously, are they then going to be willing to give time to a new man who might struggle under the under the current setup, under the regime, under the the, the restrictions that that he might have to work under? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you, you know, this isn't an original idea, but you might get a David Moyes situation where somebody comes in and, you know, they, uh, because they don't have their feet so firmly entrenched as Arsene Wenger, they fall victim to poor results or going out of favour with the fans very quickly. But is is it true? Is there really a correlation between uh, the length of a manager's reign and the success they bring in the modern game? Is stability as healthy a thing for in terms of success and trophies as we have been educated by Arsene and by our own club to believe? No, is that look, part of our Stockholm syndrome that we think we need stability? Look at Chelsea. Absolutely, right. So I, I don't think we would. I suppose you have to, like, in some way, look. Uh, is there a is there what most of us would uh, deem to be a right way of doing things? And it would seem to me that treating people with respect and decency and, you know, letting a manager do his work, mm-hmm. uh, that, that seems to me like the reasonable thing to do. But Chelsea have shown that you can change manager over and over again. You can sack a manager for being the biggest cunt on earth and bring him back years later and have success before he then again becomes the biggest cunt on earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that these things, there is something to be said for stability, but it's not the only way that you can achieve success. How many managers have Real Madrid had? How many managers Absolutely. have Barcelona had down the years? Barcelona, a little less trigger happy than, than Real Madrid, it has to be said. But they change managers with, with great frequency. And a new manager would be much more vulnerable than Arsene. I think, you know, there is a, a loyalty to Arsene. I think if Arsene, this, this is a stupid thing to say, really, but if Arsene Wenger wasn't Arsene Wenger, I think he, he would have very possibly lost his job se- several times in the last decade. Yeah, well, like, um, let's say he was a, let's say he was somebody who was brought in th- three or four years ago. Well, no, he would still have the two FA Cups. Let's say but- he came in when, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, let's say he, he had come in. 2006. Uh, this- 
Exactly, when the Emirates Stadium came in. Yeah. Um, I think there are several points since then where a manager who didn't have his legacy and his sense and his history with the club and that linked identity mm. would have come under intolerable pressure and probably would have been dismissed. Yeah. Um, there were several runs in that period that I don't think other managers would have survived. And that would have been the right, you know, it would have been difficult to argue with that, with that call. Yeah. Um, he has survived in part because of his past achievements. And I think that maybe that's not healthy. Maybe you need to be more objective about things than that. Mm. Um, I mean, again, you get onto the problem of the people making those decisions and then the people who have to appoint a replacement. And we've been round and round on this before, but is, is there anyone who you, who you trust to do that? But maybe it's, it's a gamble worth taking, you know. Uh, uh, it might work. A new face might work. It feels like what we have currently is not going to work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe better to roll the dice and maybe roll a six, maybe roll a one, than stick with this kind of underwhelming three, you mm. know. Pure speculation here, but uh, at Herbie Gunner, at Herbie Gunner, sorry, uh, he asks, is Cronky ever going to leave? Is he waiting for a certain share price? What is his end game? I don't know enough about his business and his life to have any idea. I, I, I mean, he hasn't sold any of his other franchises, has he? No, he doesn't. I think he made the point very, very clearly a couple of years ago that I'm not somebody who sells, regardless of how much uh, pressure Usmanov or whoever might put on him. He doesn't sell his franchises. Well, I think it's about equity, and of course, let's not forget his. Uh, you know, Cronker Sports Enterprise takes a, a nice annual payment, don't they, for their uh, consulting services to Arsenal? Yeah. Um, we should get a fucking refund this year, fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, and at the end of the day, he probably considers it a very, very healthy place to, to keep his money mm. uh, in terms of the increasing revenues in the Premier League and, and the growing profile globally. Um, so I, I don't think he's going anywhere in a hurry, I mm. have to say. I'm sure there are people who would buy him out. I think Alisher Usmanov would be one of those, but I just cannot see that coming to pass. I don't see, you know, he, he hasn't sold anywhere else. He's insisted he won't. There's nothing to me that's just, unless there was a kind of uh, fan uprising in the kind of Hicks and Gillette fashion that forced them out of Liverpool. That's the only way, maybe, if it became such damaging PR for him that he felt his broader business interests would be better represented by, by getting out. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a question that comes from West Stantone. What is it going to take to start a revolution at Arsenal? An actual revolution? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a great example, that Liverpool example, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there were other problems with the ownership there in terms of, I think, leveraging money and things like that, but they made it very clear they didn't want those people there. Um, I don't think Arsenal... I don't think we feel on the verge of that. I, I just don't see our fans uniting in that kind of activism. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but I, I don't feel like that's imminent. Um, mm. I feel like the anger is more with the manager, to be honest. I think that he is serving as a, a lightning rod. I think if the managers were replaced and that was to not work out, then maybe guns would turn to the ownership. But as yet, I don't think that's on the horizon. Do you? Um, no, no, but I don't think anybody's really a huge Cronky fan in any way, are they? No, sir. I mean, certainly not at the other end of the spectrum, no. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know what it's going to take. You know, it would the- be lovely to have an alternative. I mean, I imagine if somebody turned up at Arsenal now and said, hello, I'm a lifelong Arsenal fan, I wish to buy the club and invest money, I imagine they would garner a lot of support very quickly indeed. Yeah, like an actual Arsenal fan, not a pretend Arsenal yeah. fan. Yeah, a real one. Hmm. Hmm. So... But, um... There aren't, I mean, there's very I few who can afford to do that. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't, <laughs> I don't have that kind of money, unfortunately. Who, who's, like, who's... Sadly. Come not. on, let's, let's, uh, we were, t- I was talking about this during the week, uh, celebrity, celebrity gooners, they could all pitch together and, uh, like Idris Elba. Mark Strong, Idris Elba. Mark Strong, who else? Nick Hornby. Ian Stone, he must have a few quid, he's selling a question. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Alan Davies, you know. Come on, guys. A consortium. We need a consortium. Exactly. Jonathan Creek must be on fucking syndication by now. You'd think all those checks from UK Gold coming in. Yes. They need to get together and sort this club out. Buy buy it out. One of the Pet Shop Boys is an Arsenal fan as well, isn't Matt he? Matt Lucas. We'll have him. Yeah. Come on, guys. It's on you. We're throwing out the solutions here. We know you're out there. The Arsenal Celebrity Consortium comes in, buys out Kroenke, buys out Usmanov. And they appoint who would they appoint? Uh, actually, Matt Lucas as manager. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be a, great. Yeah, in his in his uh, in his George Dawes uh, onesie. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sartorial little... elegance on the sideline. That's what we want. <laughs> um, that's how desperate well, we are, though, James. I know it's come to that. I mean, I don't even remember what question we're trying to answer here. Um, Something about revolution. Revolution? Will there be a dissertate revolution? I mean, we haven't spoken since, uh, have we? I don't think we've spoken since the banner, the return of the banner. Oh, yeah. What did you make of that? The Arsene Mega thanks for the memories, but it's it's time to be off, or whatever it says, banner, that was on show at Hull. Uh, look, people are entitled to uh, pay their money and um, put up what they like. I think they've also got to be... They've also got to be open to the criticism for that. Like a 4-0 win away from home, things have been shit, and maybe the timing was, you know, was not the best. If they brought it, like, today... Yeah, they took it to the wrong game. <laughs> if they brought it today, I don't think they'd have had any fucking any hassles at all. But also I question the idea, you know, I question the... You make the banner, you get a double-page spread in the sun, maybe a spread in the mirror... You know, what's it about really? About self-promotion a little bit? Or is it about, like, managerial change? So, you know, I I enjoyed Ian Wright's tweets um, and and all that went on there. And look, you you can fly a banner if you want, but at the same time, expect people to react to that in in the way that they did. Mm. Mm. Do um, do you want another question or...? Sure. This one's from... (laughs) Feeling brave. This one's from The Chief, who's at macho underscore grande number one. And he says, In poor seasons gone by, we remember those, players have (laughs) often come out publicly in support of the manager, but that hasn't really happened this season. Has Wenger lost or is he losing the dressing room? Yeah. uh, Good question. Actually, a good question. Um... Is that a trend you've noticed at all? That trend of people not necessarily being as vocal about the manager, or now that he mentions it, perhaps mm. now that he mentions it, there was there seemed to be you know a, a bit more like certainly in a, in a couple of seasons ago, uh, but maybe before we won something, before we won the FA Cup, there was certainly more. Look, 
the manager does great work, we're all behind him and we're not doing the job right. That was that happened more than once, didn't it, from the players? Um, that you know, the, I think it could have been Arteta, could have been a few of them came out and said, "Look, it's on us. We're the ones that are to blame, not the manager, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. There has been none of that, and as we spoke about a bit earlier, the inability to get these players talking or playing the way that we know they can play or should be able to play—that's a worry. That's a worry because I guess players do, after a while, they start to question things. Like, mm. did you? What did you think of uh, Mesut Ozil today? Uh, well, look, some sublime moments. Mm-hmm. Um, some really, really great moments. I mean, his assist, um, his involvement in the in the goal was superb, and that that little turn inside the penalty box uh, that to set up a chance for El Nenny, was it? Who smashed over the yeah, bar? Yeah, um, was absolutely superb. And I thought at times he looked like a player, understandably frustrated at, at what was going on around him. Mm. Um, he really did, though, didn't he? Yeah, I mean. More so than I think we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, a, I mean, you know, we've. I think we had the question a couple of weeks ago. That's alarming because you can bet that the the best and biggest clubs in the world, the likes of the Barcelonas, even the Bayern Munichs, maybe even the Real Madrids, uh, will be looking at him as a player, one of the few players in world football who could improve their squads. Yeah. And... Uh, he he could fit in there, and they will, they will look at an Arsenal team that aren't challenging for major honours and think we've got a great opportunity to to go and get him. Yeah. Surely, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be surprised if that wasn't tested come this summer. Given the way he's performed this season, and given the way the club have relatively underperformed, I uh, you know I, I, I expect that. I mm. expect someone like a Barcelona to come knocking. I was just looking at the uh, the second goal. Like it was yeah. an amazing, an amazing strike, absolutely brilliant finish. But in the build-up to the goal, he gets Mesedozo gets the ball, takes a heavy touch, loses it in midfield, and just sort of stands there, mm. throws an arm up in the air, like ah oh, for fuck's sake, as if it was someone else's fault. And I don't want to. I think he's brilliant, and I don't think he's anywhere close to being the biggest of our problems in any way. He's an amazing footballer and somebody um, who's clearly frustrated by the inability of those around him to to finish off what he creates game after game after game. Yeah. But I just thought that perhaps was quite telling that maybe that's part of just the overall feeling that he's not... Yeah, maybe he's just fed up with it, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could understand that. I could understand that. I mean, his form's not been as good as it was in the first half of the season. No. But then, nor has the teams. Um, and I still think that were we finishing chances with any kind of regularity, his numbers would be off the charts. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our our form in front of goal has been particularly poor. I mean, even even Danny Welbeck, who looked, came on and scored a very good goal and looked as if he'd be the saviour, then followed up by missing an absolute sitter. Oh. So, I mean, I, we managed to get through this far without mentioning it, but... Whew. Look, the, you know what the thing is? I think, for me, Welbeck is one of the the only positives at the moment. I know, I know. So there's a, you're not really, it's, you don't want to come down on him, do I don't you? want to... Yeah, he's, he's just back. He scored three goals in the four or five games that he's played. Um... 
he should have scored that though. Jesus Christ! Of you know he just, he couldn't get he couldn't get his he couldn't get his foot around it. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Oh. Why did we get onto Welbeck? What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Urzel and um, how his form has dipped slightly. But I think that maybe perspective on that would shift if we could actually finish. You know. Yeah. Um, and did he look disgruntled today? And I think the answer is definitely yes. Mm. But yeah, and at some point, maybe even a, a character like Alexis, you know, he has not played well this season. But uh, will he feel his chances of of uh, doing that are improved? Yeah, elsewhere, who knows? All right, here's a question for you. Mm. This one comes from Andy Brown. He's at Andy Brown four five six. Okay, and he says. I've just put a tenner on us to qualify against Barcelona. Am I mad? Yes, you are mad, Andy. <laughs> you are bonkers. You are bonkers. Yeah. I I mean, I admire you for it. I love you for it. But you are mad. Mm. Mad as a box of frogs. I cannot foresee. Surely there's no chance in hell of that happening. Mm. I mean, hell, I mean, it would be the most Arsenal thing ever, of course, to yeah. recover and somehow pull that out of the fire and then lose the next game at Everton. But this is a very, very good Barcelona team and, and not a very good Austin. There are certainly no signs that that is in the offer. <laughs> oh. I mean, look, would you, um, do you think, this is a, a, this is my question. Guys, I'm taking the floor. Do you think that Danny Welbeck, for example, was rested today with Barcelona in mind? Yes. And if so, was that the right decision, given the almost absolute certainty that we will go out regardless on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, which Wednesday is, yeah? Um, like, should to- we be... And, and, and pushing that question forward, should we be... What do we do about Barcelona now? Because Everton... If we lose at Everton, it's going to feel shit. Mm. Real shit, right? Yeah. And can these players, a lot of these players who played today, can they get through the new Camp and then Goodison Park so soon after? Well, they can get through the new Camp. It's whether they can get through Goodison Park. That's yeah. the thing. I suspect that whatever plans he had involved winning today, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Right? Probably. And then sort of trying to take a bit of momentum, shifting the team around a little bit. Like Monreal and uh Bellerin left on the, the sidelines for the last couple of games. Yeah. Because he wants he knows he needs them in Barcelona. He knows he needs them in, in uh Goodison Park. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he was going to just change things around a little bit. You know, I don't think it was unreasonable for him to put out the team he put out today and expect that team to be able to do the job. So I don't know that no, not picking. Yeah, I don't know that not picking Welbeck was the thing. But I wonder if that will change now. If what he's thinking about Barcelona will change because of the importance of what uh, the Everton game, because it, the Everton game has become huge. Absolutely mm-hmm. huge now. And I just think, yeah, I, I do wonder what he's going to do. Um, I, I would be really... I mean, I know there's the risk of embarrassment or humiliation. To be mm. honest, there's that risk whatever side you take to the new camp. Yeah. Them. 
but I, I would be really thinking about Everton now because let's say we do lose uh, a Barcelona and there's, there's yeah no, let's let's hang on let's let's just try and imagine that like put on our thinking caps open our minds we should have some LSD and just see if we can envisage a situation in which we might lose to Barcelona but okay, carry okay. on and then make that on. leap with me guys yeah. make that leap and uh, if we do that it will be I mean it will feel like a, it, it will be another even though we know it's likely it will still be a blow but to go then and then lose at Everton too because it's, I mean, a, it, yeah, it's the difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, they're going to finish playing at, what, uh, half nine mm. on Wednesday night. By the time the fucking guy who's picked to do the fucking pissing in the cup thing, uh, you know, the drug test and what have you, by the time he's finished, you know, they're, they're not going to be back in London until two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, maybe. Nope. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, they yeah, London or Luton or wherever they come into... Um, they all got to go home. So Thursday becomes what? A rest day. Friday, you're traveling. You're, you might have a training session in the morning and then you travel to, uh, to, to Liverpool. Liverpool. And then you've got a match at 12.45. So and bear in mind, in this time, Everton's last game was a home game the day before us. They played Chelsea in the Cup. They then don't have a midweek fixture. So we will have played two games in the you know b- mm. between their two games, and uh, they looked good against Chelsea. I mean, I hope, I hope Farhad Mashiri really is an Arsenal fan, and he will sell us Lukaku in the summer. <laughs> bought Everton, <laughs> but I doubt it very much. And um, that's a that is that feels like a match. I hate saying this, but it feels like we could have this time next week. We could have two more defeats under our belt. Very realistically, yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to Barcelona. Going over to see if I can envisage this defeat in real life. <laughs> you see if you get surprised. Yeah, see if you... I mean, oh, my it, God, I never saw this coming. Your jaw will hit the floor should we lose that. Yeah, like what? The fuck? Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because on the one hand, if you go and you pick a really weak team, then you're basically just... What are you saying about yourselves as a football club? How do you tell those players, nah, nah, don't worry about it. We're going to play, you know, Iwobi and Chris Willock. Uh, you know, you can't, I don't think you can do it. Mm. Don't think you can do it. You know? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. But it's, it's, a, it's a daunting schedule, certainly. Mm. Yeah. The way things stand. It really is. It really is. Um, right, have we any more questions? Do we need to, is there anything else we need to talk about? I mean, uh, I'm just having a look. I mean, it's all much of the same, really. Uh, there are more questions, but I feel like we've we've generally covered most of it. I mean, there are questions about the team, you know, is the biggest problem defence or attack? But I think, as we said in the first part, I think we're almost past that point where you know the whole the, the whole side feels dysfunctional right now, mm. um, and may, and it's difficult to be more precise than that. To be honest, there's yeah. very few players who are playing well. Who would have ever foreseen? I think you know, Joel Campbell, Danny Welbeck. Mm. These are the guys who are kind of immune, <laughs> relatively immune from criticism at present. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Will we? I, I, what conclusions do we come to? I don't think we can come to any massive conclusions other than something's got to change, but nothing but it probably won't. will. I mean, yeah. I, I don't foresee anything. Nothing's going to change soon. That's for sure. Mm. Certainly, yeah. nothing's going to change before the end of the season. Even then. I find that hard to imagine. Mm. Do you... I don't know. Should Arsenal fans be up in arms, protesting and calling for change in a very public way? Is that what Arsenal fans should do? Uh, I don't know. I'm not putting that on you, do you know what I mean? I'm just saying... uh, Is... (sighs) If you were in the stadium today, how do you think you would have reacted? I would have been unhappy. Yeah. I would have gone, for fuck's sake. And I would have left and gone and had some beer with the people that I go and watch football with. Do you think you're ever going to see... I I mean, it's grim to even think about. Do you ever think you're going to hear a Wenger out chant in the Emirates Stadium? That depends on what happens on the pitch. Mm. Really does. Uh, I'd, I'd hate for it to come to that. I really would hate for I it would to come hate to that. Yeah, to, I really would. Um, it would be ugly, real ugly. But there's only so much people can take. There's only so many games you can lose or draw or points you can drop or what have you. What do you say to people who might say, Arsenal fans are pathetic. They're in the Champions League every year, the top four, year after year. They've won two FA Cups in the last two years. Fans of most clubs would kill for that kind of success. Mm. It's a bit like somebody... um, It's a bit like somebody complaining about how their new iPhone got broken when there are obviously people in this world who are starving and suffering and what have you. It's context. Exactly. It's all relative, right? It's relative. Um... And and it's relative to things like the resource available to the club, the price that the fans pay to watch this team play. Sure. Um, And those things all inform that dissatisfaction. Mm. I don't think... Do you think that the... I know we're supposed to be wrapping up, and I'm just getting... No, no, you're just fucking banging on here, so keep going. Yeah, that's what happens. You have a couple (laughs) of siders, and then suddenly you're away. Do you think that the FA Cup successes have allowed... Do you think they... I mean, I, I think I used a very sticking plaster earlier. Do you think they've sort of masked the fact that some of the underlying issues that stop us competing for the major, major, major trophy... Papered over the cracks, like, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly that. No, I, I, my opinion on the FA Cup wins is that they should have been a stepping stone to bigger things. And they could have been, right? That's what I think. I mean, this this was a club that had gone without winning anything since 2005. No, very few of the players, certainly none of the players that had come through the ranks, you know, Ramsey, Wilshire, you know, they, they hadn't won anything at Arsenal. A few of them, when we started spending some money, of course, had, had won some things elsewhere. But what those FA Cup wins should have been was the platform or or the it broke the... The psychological barrier where we went, oh, we haven't won, we haven't won, we haven't won. No, you've won now. You've won the FA Cup and you've won it the second year. Go on and do better and do bigger things. People always point to that 1987 Littlewoods Cup final when um, we beat Liverpool in the final 2-1 at Wembley after 
the last thing we won was in 1979, the FA Cup. We'd gone a long time without winning anything. And the players talked about how just winning that trophy gave them the sense of being winners, that they weren't failures, that they weren't players who choked serially. They weren't, you know, they were guys that actually had achieved something and then could go on. And they all said that they'd never have done Anfield 89 without without winning that trophy in 1987. So my feeling on those two trophies was that it couldn't be anything other than a positive thing, mm-hmm. provided you're in a, a frame of mind or in a situation where you're going to build on it properly. And, the, you know, I think what we're seeing right now is that we haven't. We haven't done that. And that's that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Mm. I think you're probably right. Um, you're probably right. <laughs> all right. Look, it's uh, it's Sunday evening. Uh I'm out of wine. <laughs> I've got a, I've yeah. got a I've got a countenance of blog in the morning. I've got to somehow talk about all this in some kind of rational fashion in the blog. Uh, so I think we should probably we should probably call it a day there, right? Let's call it a day. I'm sorry, sorry, listeners, that it hasn't been a, a more a more cheerful one. But I think I think you'll understand why. Yeah, we didn't not score the goals. <sighs> We weren't involved. I couldn't even get on the pitch. I tried. <laughs> I did try, guys, but they wouldn't have it. Yeah, yeah. Security straight in. Not him again. He's trying to get on the pitch again. <laughs> Shin pads and everything on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, always. Full kit. Full kit. All right. Well, um, I don't quite know what's going to happen with the Arscast on Friday because I'm in Barcelona from Tuesday to Thursday. So I might try and do something for Friday. Something could happen or nothing could happen for Friday. So, um Bear that in mind. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. I mean, look, it's uh, it's bound to be a, a very cheerful one anyway, given what's going to happen against Barcelona. And then we'll be back uh, in a week's time to unpick, well, the, the Everton game. Yes, whatever the hell's going to happen there. Whatever happens there. All right. Well, listen, thank you, as always, for listening. I hope it's been in some way cathartic for you. Uh, it really hasn't been for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a downer, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not feeling very good about things now. Oh well. oh, well. All right. Well, listen, we'll leave it there. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.